Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. وَلَقَدْ نَصَرَكُمُ اللَّهُ بِبَدْرٍ وَأَنْتُمْ أَذِلَّةٍ فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ إِذْ تَقُولُ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَلَيْنِيَكُمْ أَلَيْنِيَكُمْ أَيُّ مِدَّكُمْ رَبُّكُمْ بِثَلَاثَةِ آلَافٍ أي يمدكم ربكم بثلاثة آلاف من الملائكة منزلين. إن شاء الله we'll resume tonight in this blessed night in Ramadan our uh, reading and explanations and tafsir of the Quran. But tonight I will not continue with the order of revelation as we used to do and the reason is we are uh, today on the 18th day of Ramadan and yesterday was the 17th day of Ramadan and the 17th day of Ramadan marks the battle of Badr which is a very important event in the history of Islam in the history of the da'wah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam it is the it's the battle which Allah Azza wa Jal called it Al-Furqan, Yawm Al-Furqan, Yawm Al-Taqal Jam'an. It's the day of split between Haqq and Batil. It's in the same in the same line as Allah Azza wa Jal called Al-Quran, which was revealed during the month of Ramadan as being a Furqan. So this night is very important. This day is very important. This battle is a very crucial and essential and uh, very significant in the history of this Islam. And it was indeed a turning point. And it deserved from Islam, and of course here Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who decides what matters and what does not matter, an entire surah, Surah Al-Anfal, one of the uh, earlier surahs revealed in Medina. So that's why we, how we break our uh, order of tafsir. Uh, in the past, we used to do the tafsir in the order of revelation. I will continue that, in so, inshallah, next time and uh, in the coming times, because that's our line, that's our uh, uh, order of tafsir. But as I mentioned, since this is the occasion, and I don't want to miss this occasion, so the uh, surah that I will deal with today, partially is surah al-anfal. And I will deal with this surah from the perspective of the battle of Badr. So to put us back in the, 
in the in the field of thinking in the same order of thinking let's go back to the time when muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam has just migrated from mecca and when he migrated from mecca him and the the sahaba radwanullahi alayhim the muhajireen the status of the muslims was very weak status these people they have left everything behind they have left everything in mecca Many of them were tortured, many of them were evicted, many of them were actually driven away from their homes. So they left their homes, they left their wealth, they left their trade, they left their uh, land, their, their money. Some of them actually, when they were leaving, when they wanted to leave Mecca to Medina, the Kuffar, the Mushrikeen of Mecca, they actually searched them, body search. And they ordered them to leave every penny they have, even the money, the cash, which they were carrying, they were forced to leave it behind. So they left Mecca almost without anything. They are absolutely helpless, moneyless, without any support. And the same thing, the Prophet ﷺ himself, he left everything behind, his home, his uh, houses. And in fact, after the few years during the conquest of Mecca, when he came back to Mecca, and let's just shift in time, 10 years after migration, he, uh, in a complaint manner, somebody told him, Ya Muhammad, O Rasulullah, would you stay in Mecca for a while? And then he said, what do I have in Mecca? Aqil, who was the son of Abu Talib, the brother of Ali, at the time when the Prophet وسلم, left Mecca, Aqil was not yet a Muslim. He said, Aqil did not leave anything for us. He took every part of my wealth, so I have nothing in Mecca. I don't have a home, I don't have a place, where do I stay? So that's just to remind us of the status of the Muslims when they migrated from Mecca. Weak, they were oppressed, they were helpless, they don't have any support, but nevertheless, now they have a new place, a new safe haven. It's Medina. It's a place where the Prophet وسلم, established the new entity of Islam. It's a place where the Prophet وسلم, was able to practice the deen of Islam as a law, not only as ideas or as a principle or as values. In Mecca, it was the values of Islam that used to drive the people in order, in order to, to practice, if you will, anything about Islam. But in Medina now, beyond the values, more than the values, it's the law. Because sometimes you say, I want to be nice, I want to be good, I want to refrain from everything that's haram because it's haram. Because it's a value in my heart that drives me to worship Allah Azza wa Jal, to have taqwa to Allah, it's the value. But now in Medina, it's beyond the value, it's the law. Now the Prophet ﷺ has authority. He is in charge. He has the power. Not much... Uh, belonging, not much wealth, not much resources, if you will, but nevertheless, he has the will, the political will in his hand, and then now he has an army, and he started forming an army as soon as he stepped his foot in the Medina. In fact, some narrators, they put the ayah which was revealed, which is stated in Surah Al-Hajj, although Surah Al-Hajj was revealed much later, but the ayah where it says, أُذِنَ لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُ لِلَّذِينَ uh, permission has been given to those people who have been 
oppressed and have been fought against and struggled against simply because they were oppressed and they say that this ayah was revealed at the time when the Prophet was arriving in Medina so in Medina now there is a new order there is a new order here is the Prophet has authority the Muhajireen and the Ansar they were in complete obedience to the Prophet there is a law there is an order and there is an army so there is now a sense of a state if you will because that's what statehood is about a state requires a leader and people who would obey that leader and then it must have a power a support an army that can protect the state otherwise it will collapse from within or from without so now he has an army and he practiced the ability to launch an army and he sent actually Hamza radiallahu anhu after seven months seven months after he arrived in Medina he sent him in one battalion in order to meet a group of people from Mecca from the Mushrikeen and to to challenge them militarily although in Medina this was not the case in Medina they were they were never allowed to fight so why it was soon as he got into Medina and the state was built now you have an army you have a state you have authority you have a law you have an order you have a totally new order a new state new system and that's what the essence of the migration from Mecca to Medina now two years in Medina the Prophet comes to the Muslimin and they tell them look Abu Sufyan it came to my attention that Abu Sufyan the leader of Mecca has a caravan a complete caravan caravan of trade coming from Damascus from Sham to Mecca and his pathway goes close to Medina the pathway from Asham from the Syria what is called today Syria or Asham where the the revolution is happening Abu Sufyan is coming with a full caravan and the caravan has lots of wealth in fact the narrations say the reports say there were more than 300 camels more than 300 camels full of goods and the products and the trade that are the people of Mecca are bringing from Sham and the Prophet told the Muslims especially the Muhajireen this caravan or this if you will this uh, uh, this trade that Abu Sufyan is carrying has your wealth your wealth as Muhajireen is included there because the Muslims have have left their wealth in Mecca and the Mushrikeen they stole the wealth of the Muslims so it is really the wealth of the Muhajireen some of it not all of it so the Prophet says part of your wealth is included in this uh, in this caravan so I want you the Muslims to uh, uh, to step in the pathway of Abu Sufyan and to confiscate this caravan after all it's our wealth it's the wealth of the Muslims so that's the 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 scene if you will if you want to build the theater and the scene of what was happening here is the Muslims who left Mecca they were helpless they were moneyless their money was left in in Mecca the Mushrikeen they deprived them of everything they stole all their wealth now the Prophet ﷺ has the ability to fight back he has the the ability to come back to the Mushrikeen and to challenge them now Allah depicts this issue in Surah Al-Anfal and that's the surah which I wanted to 
to go through and to touch on some of the uh, ayat where he says Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim وَإِذْ يَعِدُكُمُ اللَّهُ إِحْدَى الطَّائِفَتَيْنِ أَنَّهَا لَكُمْ Allah makes a promise for you that one of two things one of two things you are going to gain there are two two issues if you will two objectives that can be achieved one of them is the trade of Abu Sufyan إِحْدَى الطَّائِفَتَيْنِ الطَّائِفَتَيْنِ is two groups, two objects, two projects, if you will. One of them is going to be yours. One of that is the caravan that carries the money and the wealth of the mushrikeen of Mecca, in which included the money of the Muslims. So that's one. And the second one, the second project, is the fight, is actually the war, and the challenge, the physical challenge, to the power of Quraysh. So Quraysh had the ultimate power in Mecca and in Arabia. People used to think that Quraysh is the one, the leader, let's say is the maintaining, the maintainer of the order in Mecca. Like today when you talk about the world order, who maintains the world order? The United States of America. It is the one that has a say into what goes in the world or not. Who fights whom? Who challenges whom? Anyone who can stand up to the United States means he can stand up to the entire world. Anyone who could stand to Quraysh then, that means you can stand up to the entire Arabian Peninsula. So Quraysh in Arabian Peninsula resembled the power of the United States in the world today. Or the power, if you will, of China in the Indochina uh, uh, subcontinent. Because it's the superpower there vis-a-vis uh, -vis India or Pakistan or Vietnam or Korea. It is China the one that someone has to stand up to. If you can stand up to China, that means you can stand up to anyone who is around you. If you can stand up to Russia, you can stand up to anyone who is in the Russian Commonwealth. If you can stand up to Britain or Germany, that means it is Europe and so on. So Quraysh was the symbol of power in the Arabian Peninsula. The Romans and the Persians were the maintainers of the world order at large. So Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Allah Azza wa Jal is promising the Muslims either a challenge to Quraysh, a physical fight with Quraysh, which is a challenge to the superpower in the area, or the merchant, the merchandise which is coming in the uh, in the caravan of Abu Sufyan. And Allah says, One of these two things will be yours. And you as Muslims, you really deep inside would like to see the one that does not have the physical challenge. You want to win and to gain the caravan because the caravan, 300 camels protected by less than 40 people. And those 40 people are not equipped to fight a war. These are just to guard a caravan against hijackers, against people who can inflict some terror on the, uh, uh, on the caravan, but not to fight a war. So this is just guards. So the Muslims, they were their thought, their inclination that we would rather, we would rather have a challenge to the caravan and to take over the money and it's our wealth. وتودون, and here Allah says, وتودون means you really love, you want, you deeply, that's what you really want. You don't want the physical challenge. Why? Because the physical challenge is huge. It's Quraysh. Quraysh is much more powerful than its caravan. It's much easier to confiscate the money that Abu Sufyan was carrying from Asham uh, to Mecca than to fight Quraysh. So Allah is saying that deep inside This is what you want. What does Allah want? 
Allah wants something else. وَيُرِيدُ الله أَنْ يُحِقَّ الْحَقَّ بِكَلِمَاتِهِ The ayah exactly ويريد الله أن يحق الحق بكلماته ويقطع دابر الكافرين الله عز وجل wants something else الله wants the truth the truth the reality of things the حق to be established الله wants to establish the firm notion of what is حق what is right so Allah wants something beyond the caravan he wants the issue of حق what is right, what is wrong to be, because it's a split. Remember we said Yawm al-Furqan. Allah wants to put a split. What is right, what is wrong. Quraysh stands behind what is wrong. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Islam stands behind what is right. So today when the people talk about the human rights, who stand behind the human rights, behind the rights of the people, the world at large, they think, that human rights organizations, United Nations, United States, Britain, Europe, stand behind the right. And Islam and the Muslims stand behind terror. That's the notion that the people have. That's what Mecca used to say. That's what Quraysh used to portray to the people that this man, Muhammad wasallam, is a corrupt person. He has corrupted the minds of the people. He has polluted the minds of the young, the minds of the slave, the minds of the woman. He corrupted them, polluted them with all types of new ideas. He made them rebel against their own fathers, against their own tribes, against their own traditions. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that guy. That's what was portrayed in the Arabian Peninsula and that's what Quraysh was making the propaganda. Allah Azza wa Jal wants the real truth to be established. The real truth is that Muhammad وسلم, stands behind Haq and Quraysh stands behind Batal. As today, today, Islam and the Muslims and the Islamic principles stand behind Haq. The real Haq, the rights of people, the rights of people for, for good life, the rights of people to worship their own Lord and Allah the rights of people for their own wealth and their own money in Africa, in Asia, in the Middle East, in all the places, the right of people for food, the right of people for real liberty, real liberty, not the liberty of so-called democratic liberty, which they toppled Mursi and the Ikhwan and the Muslims in Egypt as soon as they saw someone with a beard ruling them, only the sign of Islam, the only thing they had is a beard, and they stood against it. So the real liberty, the real, the real freedom to worship Allah Azza wa Jal rather than to worship Shaitan comes from Islam. So Islam stands behind the what is right. So Allah wants to establish the haq. Allah says, وَيُرِيدُ اللَّهُ أَنْ يُحِقَّ الْحَقَّ بِكَلِمَاتِهِ وَيَقْطَعَ دَابِرَ الْكَافِرِينَ And he wants to put an end, an end to this nonsense of the kuffar. He says, Dabir, and the Dabir is the back end. It's, it's a bad word. It's like the back end of a man, or the back end of the people. Like the back end of these people who stand behind falsehood, behind this falsehood, is absolutely insane. It's wrong. It should not be tolerated. It should not be accepted. It should not be allowed. It should not be persistent. It should not pertain to the life of the people. So Allah Azza wa wants to cut off the back end of those kuffar. means to put an end to their nonsense, to put an end to their tyranny, to put an end to their oppression, 
to put an end to their falsehood, falsehood, to put an end to their propaganda against Islam, to put an end to all of these things that they portray and they make up and they fabricate against Islam. He wants to put an end for that once and for all. So that's what Allah wants. Allah does not, is not, does not want the Muslims to look only for the goodies, for the caravan, for the immediate wealth. Although that will be achieved too, because if you put an end to the oppression of the kuffar, then everything else will come to you. Because those kuffar are the ones who are stealing the wealth of the people, they will stop. They will no longer be able to steal, they will no longer be able to exploit the nations. They will no longer be able to exploit the diamonds in Africa or the gold in Nigeria or the oil in the Middle East or the gas in Afghanistan or, or all of these. They will no longer be able to do that if you put an end to their tyranny. This is what Allah wants. So Allah does, is not, does not want the Muslims only to look for the immediate objective and goal of having some immediate food, if you will. And that gives me a time to go to, to look at the current situations where the Muslims sometimes they say oh the Muslims are revolting or standing up because they are poor they are poor that means they, are, they want part of their wealth actually here what Allah is telling us instead of fighting for a piece of bread or a loaf of bread or some food you have to stand up to stand up for the right and to establish what is right because once the right, once the right system is established, then the distribution of wealth will come handy. Then poverty will be eliminated. Then all of these oppressive type of, of lifestyle will end. And that's when the haqq is established. Because you may be able to get a loaf of bread today, but tomorrow you will not be able to get it. You may be able to get a job today. Sometimes you say, oh, there is lots of unemployment. We need jobs. Okay, they can create some jobs for you. But then tomorrow, you will lose not only your jobs, but you will lose the land upon which you create your jobs. So here Allah Azza wa Jal, He wants us to understand that the real objective is you want to establish the norm. The norm. What is the norm? What's the standard of justice? This has to be established. وَيُرِيدُ اللَّهُ أَنْ يُحِقَّ الْحَقَّ بِكَلِمَاتِهِ وَيَقْطَعَ دَابِرَ الْكَافِرِينَ لِيُحِقَّ الْحَقَّ and here is another notion because the haqq has to be established and the batil has to be eliminated yubtil means I have to remove remove al-batil so al-batil, al-falsehood has to be removed even if the criminals would, would, would hate it and there is the notion here sometimes oh brother what is this hate talk sometimes they say look Hate and love, hate and love, those are symptoms of human nature. You like something, you dislike something. You like the water when you are thirsty. You dislike something that is sore and salty and makes you even more thirsty. That's natural. And the people usually would like, like the things that bring them benefit and dislike things that can cut off their benefits. That's normal. That's when people, what is it that you hate? You hate anything that can inflict some, some, uh, some hardship on you. You dislike that. So here Allah says, كريها, كريها hate means, المجرم, the criminals. Even if the criminals hate this issue of establishment of al-haq and removing falsehood. Why would they hate it? 
they would hate it because the falsehood will serve their interest. Falsehood and the wrongdoing would serve their interest. So if the, like riba, today riba and usury serves the interest of the capitalist. Natural. The riba used to serve the interest of Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira in Mecca. So if Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam comes and says, no riba, no more riba is allowed. Each, every type of riba, every type of usury is under my foot. All forms of riba are gone. Who's going to hate it? Abu Bakr will hate it? Of course not. Abu Bakr does not deal with riba. Uthman bin Affan? No, Uthman bin Affan is a decent merchant. He makes his buck, his, his, his dinar, his money with his real hand, with real trade. He does not deal with riba. Who's going to hate it? Al-Walid bin Al-Mughira would hate it. One of the biggest murabi, one of the biggest riba dealers in Mecca, Al-Walid. Even at the time of his death, when he was dying, he collected his sons, his main three sons, Hisham bin Al-Walid and Khalid bin Al-Walid and Al-Walid bin Al-Walid, those three big and powerful sons, he told them, something I don't want you to forget. I have a riba, usually, interest that I have not collected yet from the city of At-Ta'if. It's not even in Mecca, it's, way, it's, it's a different city. His bank, if you will, it's like the World Bank. He has loans all over. So he's telling them, my riba, you should not let it go. So definitely this person is going to hate to hate it when the haq is established because the haq will say no more riba. When the battle is removed, the battle of riba is removed. Abu Jahl, what would he hate? He would hate the fact that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his companions, they were not allowing against enslaving people. Like Umar was saying, How could you enslave people when they are born free? Someone free, you go and steal him and kidnap him in war and make him slave, that's not right. Abu Jahl would hate that because Abu Jahl, he had so many slaves at his home, women and men alike. So he would hate it. That's why the ayah says, وَلَوْ كَرِهَ الْمُجْرِمُونَ The criminals would dislike it, would hate actually, they would hate the establishment of haq. Today, the criminals... The criminals, and the criminal is the one who commits crime against Allah Azza wa Jal. And henceforth against the laws of Allah. And against the norms that Allah established, that's a criminal. If you commit a crime, a violation, sometimes you commit a, viola a traffic violation, that's a crime. Why is it a crime? Because you are going against the law or the order which is established by the state. That's a crime. So a crime is when you violate the establishment, the established norm or law. There is an order. And Allah Azza wa Jal has an order. Allah, when He created the heavens, when He created the heavens, the world, the universe, He established norms. And He mentioned that in Surah Ar-Rahman very clearly. Ar-Rahman al Qur'an khalaq al-insan allamahu al-bayan al-shams wal-qamar bi-husman وَالنَّجْمُ وَالشَّجَرُ يَسْجُدَانُ وَالسَّمَاءَ رَفْعَهَا وَوَضَعَ الْمِيزَانَ أَلَّا تَطْغَوْا فِي الْمِيزَانَ السَّمَاءَ رَفْعَهَا وَوَضَعَ الْمِيزَانَ Allah raised the heavens and He established the norm, the scale. There is a mizan. أَلَّا تَطْغَوْا فِي الْمِيزَانَ Never 
never disturb the balance or the scale. And establish things with justice and never, never disturb the balance of the scale. So there is a scale, there is a norm, there is a standard. There is a standard in the world that Allah created from and, and established from the time He created Adam. And He said about Adam, I am establishing a Khalifa in this world. A Khalifa means someone who is going to establish and work by the norm and run by the norms and the standards of Allah So anyone who violates the norm or the order or the law that Allah established is a criminal. That's our definition of a criminal. And then the Qadi, the just, and the judges, and the court system in Islam, that's why those court systems must establish who is a criminal and who is not criminal based on who violates the laws of Allah It's not the one who violates my law, or your law, or your norm. If your norm or your standards or your laws or your regulations are not in line and according to the laws and the norms and the justice of Allah your laws and norms, the violation of them is absolutely irrelevant. It's the violations of the norms and the laws and the orders of Allah that's the criminals. So here Allah says, I want the haqq to be established and I want the battle to be removed even if the criminals hate it, walaw karihal mujrimun, and this is the word of Allah Azza wa Jal. Walaw even, walaw means even though kariha hate al mujrimun the criminals, even they will hate it who is called the criminals. That's the exact literal translation. So that is the environment in which this in which Badr was launched. Here is a caravan. Muslims now are ambitious, they want their money. Allah says, well, you want your money, I want something more. I want the haqq. And that's what Islam cares about. To establish what's the haqq. What's right. And to remove what's wrong. And aside the track for a second on what's going on in Egypt today. In Egypt today, when the army comes in, and takes the president. Now, although the president was not established as a president based on the norms of Islam, let's, let's make sure that this is the case. It's not the Islamic system or the Islamic power that brought him as a leader. But nevertheless, within their own norms, within their own standards, according to their own laws, so-called democracy, democracy says you get elected, you get to rule. You have a majority, even a slight majority, it doesn't have to be overwhelming, even by one vote, then you are the ruler. That's what they say. And then they come and violate their own standard. That's not right. That's not right. You cannot stand behind what is wrong. Even from their perspective, what is happening in Egypt is not right. That's wrong. And Islam cares about what is right. And that's the ayah, Allah wants the haqq to be established, الباطل. the battle has to, to be removed. So I just wanted to make sure that we always get this notion that whenever there is something haqq, you cannot stand behind battle. 
You cannot stand behind bottle no matter what. And if you want to judge people based on their own systems, the way their democratic system, you tell them, based on your own system, what you are doing is wrong. That is wrong. So within their system, no one should stand behind what is bottle. But within our system, our system, the haqq, we say the entire bottle is wrong. The entire bottle of democracy, the bottle of civil state, the bottle of riba, the bottle of capitalism, the bottle of nationalism, all of this is bottle. So we cannot stand behind this bottle. Now with this into consideration, the Muslims move out of Medina. The Prophet says, let's go. And let's go and wait for the caravan of Abu Sufyan. Because that's so-called the intention, the immediate intention. The Muslims, that's what they thought. And in the middle, while they are doing so, when the Muslims have reached a place called Badr, and Badr is a place closer, it's somewhere between Mecca and Medina, actually it's closer to Mecca than it's to Medina. So they moved all the way from Medina to the, uh, uh, the place which is called Badr, hoping to meet the caravan of Abu Sufyan. And Abu Sufyan had come to know some, somehow he had his spies, he had his agents, and they told him that Muhammad وسلم, came out from Medina with about 300 men. And they are prepared to meet the caravan and confiscate all your wealth. So Abu Sufyan was worried. In order to defend his caravan, he doesn't have enough people, he has only 40 people, 40 men to guard his caravan. He sends a man, he picks a man from his caravan, says, get on your horse, ride as fast as you can, don't wait for us, go to Mecca, and let the people of Mecca, let Quraysh know that your caravan is being challenged by Muhammad and his companions. Let's get support and help. He's crying for help. He's crying for Quraysh. He's crying for, as Bashar al-Assad is crying for the support of Russia or Iran, or Hezbollah, or someone. He's crying for help. He knows that these people are after him, they are going to topple him or to take over. So let's go for help, let's ask for help. So he sends a man, and the man reach, reaches Mecca and reaches Quraysh, and he makes an announcement in Mecca saying, Al-Latima, Al-Latima. Al-Latima, Al-Latima, it's, it's a word, it's an expression saying, disaster, disaster, disaster is happening. Catastrophe is taking place. Your money, your wealth is being confiscated by Muhammad or Quraysh. Come out for the aid, come out for the support. So Quraysh now, Abu Jahl and uh, Utbah bin Rabi'ah and the, the Akhnas bin Shuraiq and the elites of Mecca. And they say each house in Mecca, all the tribes in Mecca have some money, some wealth with Abu Sufyan. Abu Sufyan was the broker. He's not only the merchant for himself, but he's a broker. Broker means he's trading for the money of others. So the money and the wealth of Quraysh, each tribe in Quraysh had some part of the wealth in the caravan. So now they call upon each other, let's go, let's go and meet that man and teach him a lesson that he would never challenge our money and our wealth. Because they know, 
if we allow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam now to step in and take our wealth, we will no longer be able to make a trade to Damascus, to Sham. And remember that Sham was one of the main uh, 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 sources of merchandise and the trade partner to Quraysh. And the Quran talked about it in Surah Quraysh. Quraysh so the people of Quraysh, they have these two trips, one during the winter and one during the summer. The one during the summer to Asham and the one during the winter to Al-Yemen. That's their trade. So if Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam steps in and challenges the caravan, then Quraysh will no longer be able to, to make a trade. And actually it will be like, uh, 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 like a blockade. Like Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam will be blocking the path of Quraysh to Asham. So they wouldn't, wouldn't allow that. That's absolutely dangerous, absolutely risky. You cannot allow that. So let's go and teach this man in Medina lesson once and for all. So Abu Jahl collects all the people of Quraysh and he leads the army and he comes out with 1,000 men with their horses, with their camels, with their uh, power and going all the way to protect the caravan. Now, that is one scene. So we have Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam moved out of Medina and comes to Badr, wants to meet the caravan. Quraysh hears about this challenge and about this confrontation and comes out with their men and want to defend the caravan. And Abu Sufyan now, he thinks he's a smart guy. He says, instead of going through a fight, which I don't know what the result is going to be, and to risk all the caravan and the money and the wealth, let me reroute my caravan. Let me take a longer route and bypass Medina and go to through a path where Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam doesn't know about my caravan. So he changes his route. So Abu Sufyan, with his knowledge, with the knowledge of the people uh, and the experts, the, the GPS experts, if you will, if he has, looks like they were experts in the, in the desert navigation without the GPS, so he was able to navigate through and to find a different route and to go across actually along the shore of the Red Sea, which is a long path. He doesn't go the regular path, the shortcut. So he manages, Abu Sufyan manages to escape. So that's the scene. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is waiting for the caravan. There is no caravan. Quraysh, Quraysh is coming with its men. They want to fight and to protect the caravan. The caravan is safe. But now, here comes the two scenes. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa already Allah azza wa is telling him with a wahi that Allah wants the one, the physical challenge. So Allah, Allah's objective for the, Muslims, for the Muslims is to have a physical confrontation, physical confront, a fight between the Muslims and Quraysh. So that's what Allah's will is. Allah's will, in fact, that's why you read Allah. When you say you read, that means the irada of Allah, the will of Allah is in the direction of the fight. Now Quraysh also, when the, when the caravan was safe, comes out one of the men, Utba actually, one of the wise people of Quraysh, tells Abu Jahl and tells the people, look, the caravan is safe now, Abu Sufyan managed to escape, let's go back. Let's go back, let's save, let's save our blood and the blood of our own people who are the Muslims. These are our relatives. So he comes from a tribal, pure tribal perspective that let's not shed the blood of our cousins and our children. 
That's what Utba says. And Al-Akhnas bin Shuraiq, with the tribe of Bani Zahar, one of the tribes, of the major tribes in Quraysh, he says the same thing. He says, since our, our caravan is safe, our money is safe, why, why would we fight? The objective we came to defend the caravan is over. But Abu Jahl had different intention. Abu Jahl, his intention was to put an end to the power, to the rising power of Muhammad. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his power is rising. Now he has Medina. Now he is in charge. He already challenged Quraysh twice. One time with Abdullah bin Jahsh and one time with Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib. There are two challenges already made by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Abu Jahl doesn't like that. He wants to put an end to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Allah on the other hand, or in the first hand, Allah wants to put an end to the tyranny of Abu Jahl. So here comes, meet these two wills. The will of Quraysh to fight and the will of Allah Azza wa Jal for the Muslims to come to the fight. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam now he meets his companions and he talks to them. Now he knows that the caravan is gone. He tells them, look, the caravan is gone. Abu, Abu Sufyan had escaped. And we had one option, one more or two, two more options. One is to return to Medina, just go back to Medina. And the other option is to fight. What would you say? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam make this istishara. Make this istishara. He wants to, the opinion of the Muslims. So the Muhajireen, immediately Abu Bakr stands up and says, Ya Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, sir ala barakatillah. Just go on barakatillah. Continue. We want the fight. Umar stands up and says the same. Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas stands up and says the same. All these Muhajireen, they are hot and they are sincere and they are sensitive. They want to teach the kuffar, the mushrikeen a lesson as well. So they want the fight. Now they know that the caravan is gone and they read the mind of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So when the Prophet, he makes this uh, gesture, to, gesture to them, what shall we do? They immediately realize that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is about to launch the fight. So the Muhajireen speak up and support Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in his endeavor and what is it that he wants. But then Muhammad says, Ashiru alayhi ayyuhan nas. O people, give me more opinion. So then the Ansar, they realize that, look, the Muhajireen have just spoken. The prominent Muhajireen, Abu Bakr, Umar, Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas, Ali, radiallahu anhu, all of them, Hamza, they all spoke and they said that they, they are willing to go and fight. So now the Ansar, they realize that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam continues to seek the opinion. He still says, give me more opinion. They realize that he wants their opinion. Then Sa'ad bin Mu'adh, Sa'ad bin Mu'adh stands up and says, Ya Rasulullah, ka'annaka turiduna. Oh Rasulullah, looks like you want our opinion, the Ansar. He says, bala. Yes, indeed, I want your opinion. And the narrators, especially Ibn Ishaq in the seerah, he says that as if the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he took the bay'ah from the Ansar, the bay'ah of the Ansar was to protect Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So it could have occurred to their minds that the protection of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam in Medina does not include fighting outside Medina. So then Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam wanted to confirm that the protection and the nusra that he got is not only for Medina but for all the objectives 
of the jihad objectives of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Islam. So Sa'ad bin Mu'ad says, Ya Rasulullah, imdi bina, move with us, even if you will take us across the ocean, we will cross it with you. We will cross it with you. Inna lasudukun عند اللقاء. We are truthful whenever we meet our enemy. And we are known for our sabr and patience and persistence. You can trust us. So move and do not hesitate. And the Prophet was happy and he said, Ala barakatillah, let's move. So that is the exact environment of Badr. So Badr took place now. Now the fight took place on the 17th day of Ramadan. That was, and the logistics of the, of the war, we all know it, how it happened. And there are lots of details on the war. Then the, at the end of the day, there was victory. So we know the story, we know the end of it. Allah Azza wa Jal provided his support and provided his victory. And in this surah, in this battle, Allah Azza wa Jal revealed the Quran saying specifically, specifically, how is it he provided support to the Muslims and to this battle? When he, in the ayah where he says, إِلْتَسْتَغِيثُونَ رَبَّكُمْ When you were calling upon Allah Azza wa Jal, تَسْتَغِيثُ Tastaghith means you are making dua, but not the regular dua that we do like this. Tastaghith means you raise your hands all the way up and you cry out for Allah because al-istighatha, when we say al-ghawth, al-ghawth means if you are crying for help, you say, help, help, I need help, oh people. You are not just saying, please help me. You are crying out, I need support. You are as loud as possible, as sincere as possible. Istighatha, Istighatha means you are calling up with all your sincerity, all your power, all your momentum calling up. That's how the Muslims were. In fact, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abu Bakr, when he saw Muhammad, peace be upon him, making istighatha, Abu Bakr was feeling pity for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Muhammad, ya Rasulullah, ba'dan min munajatika rabbik. Take it easy, slowly. Don't be hard on yourself. The way you are calling Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah will give you the victory. Allah will fulfill His promise. Inna Allah munjizu wa'adahu iyyak. Allah will fulfill the promise to you. Because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was raising his hand all the way up. His clothing were falling from upon his shoulder when he's raising his hand and saying, Allahumma in tahlak hadhi al-isaba falan tu'bada fil ard. Oh Allah, if this isaba, if this people, if this group of people uh, vanish today, who is going to worship you on this, uh, after them? This will be over with this Islam, meaning that this is deterministic, this is final, this is detrimental, this war is decisive, it's very important. Oh Allah, give us victory. And he kept crying out for that loudly. And Allah says, You were making istighatha for your Rabb that sincerely with that loudness, with that... With that uh, 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 great type of dua for Allah Azza wa Jal. لكم. Then he says, then Allah, he replied, responded to your call. And in the Arabic, this word, with an F means immediate. This is immediate response. That's Allah Azza wa Jal immediately responded to you. I responded with, to you with 1,000 angels coming one after another. 
lined up. Murdifin means lined up one after another. Here Allah Azza wa Jal specifically said how he provided the support because it's a decisive war. It is something detrimental. It's something furqan. So Allah Azza wa Jal is giving in, in many other places he says Allah he gave you the victory. In Hunayn, in Uhud and many other places but did not say how. Here he says I sent you angels one after another. And then he says, وَمَا جَعَلَهُ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بُشْرَى And these angels I sent you only بُشْرَى, glad tidings. وَمَا النَّصْرُ إِلَّا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ But النصر, victory is only from Allah Azza wa Jal. Very interesting. Here he's saying, I gave you angels 1,000 equal to the 1,000 men of Mecca. Mecca had, Quraysh had 1,000 men. Here Allah Azza wa Jal says, I will give you 1,000 angels to fight those kuffar. Cannot beat them. The war is over. You would think that this is what wins the war. But Allah Azza wa Jal says, actually not. It's not the angels who won the war, it's Al-Nasru min indillah. وَمَن نَصْرُ إِلَّا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ Al-Nasr is only from Allah Azza wa Jal, and that is what we get out of all of this. Out of all of this, better. We understand many things, but the most important thing is, look, Al-Nasr, victory is from Allah Azza wa Jal. It's not from anyone else. It's not even from the angels, although the angels come and fight with you. So Al-Nasr is from Allah. So today, what intrigues us, when people who are in the war front, take Syria for example, or take Egypt. So you are in the front. And then, you know that Al-Nasr is from Allah Azza wa Jal, but you would think, or some people would think that Al-Nasr victory can only be achieved if we get weapons and arms from England or the United States or Europe. So if we get it, if we get those arms, we will win. Oh, or if the United States established a no-fly zone, that's all we need, a no-fly zone, then victory will be achieved. Look, that's wrong. That's wrong. In Battle of Badr, it's not the United States that supported the Muslims. It's not the Persians, it's not the Romans. It's the angels. Angels from Allah Azza wa Jal. This is extraordinary creatures. This is not men. This is not a human. These are angels. The power of angels is beyond what we even can imagine. It is someone who fights the kuffar and they don't see them. And Allah was telling them, فَضْرِبُوا فَوْقَ الْأَعْنَاقِ وَضْرِبُوا كُلَّ بَنَانِ When you, the angels, when you hit, you hit on top of the neck, right here, the part of the neck, and hit the, the fingers, al-banan, the fingers, so that you make a mark. These are, these are creatures that cannot go wrong. It's not like the arms that you get from the US or from Europe or from Britain. But then, but then even then, Allah Azza wa Jal says, look, this is not the victory. That's not where the victory comes from. النَّصْرُ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ وَمَنْ نَصْرُ إِلَّا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ This has to be established in your brain, in your mind, in your heart, that النَّصْر comes from Allah Azza wa Jal. And النَّصْر comes from Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah, when you raise your hands only for Allah, وَإِذْ تَسْتَغِيثُونَ رَبَّكُمْ You don't make istighatha, you don't make istighatha for anyone but your Rabb. 
Don't make istighatha. Don't cry out over Al Jazeera net, over the uh, all types of channels. Cry out for the coalitions. Cry, uh, cry out for Qatar. Cry out for Saudi Arabia, which are corrupt leaders. They are Muslims, but they are corrupt. And they are doing it on behalf of the United States and Europe. Do not cry out for help from those uh, uh, non-Islamic entities. In Badr, when the Muslims were facing the 1,000 men of Mecca, they stood up, they stood up, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the leader of them, تَسْتَغِيثُونَ رَبَّكُمْ وَيَتَسْتَغِيثُونَ رَبَّكُمْ You don't make istighatha for anyone else. That's very important. That's very important. Because al-Nasr is from Allah Azza wa Jal. And it's aqeedah, it's iman. This is not something that we make up. We don't fabricate that. Well, it is stated in the Quran, you either believe it or not. You cannot, as the Quran says, Do you believe in part of the book and you disbelieve in other part? You believe in the part of the book which says, But you don't believe that You can't do that. You believe in the book in its entirety, the entire book, I believe in it. From A to Z, from Alif Lam Mim in Surah, from Surah Al-Fatiha, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, or before that, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, until, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ مَلِكِ النَّاسِ إِلَىٰ until you say, مِنَ الْجِنَّةِ وَالنَّاسِ To the last word, all of it, part of it, وَمَنْ نَصْرُ إِلَّا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ So this is Quran, that's not what we are saying, it's not a fabrication. So either I believe in it or I don't. And I have to believe in it. So it's part of the aqidah, it's part of the iman. So when we go, when we are out for a challenge, whether it's the challenge in the war front, or the challenge in the revolution, or the challenge of a tyrant ruler like in Egypt, or like in Libya, or like in Tunis, or like in Syria now, the victory, the victory which means the decision, victory means the decision who is going to win. Now, the decision we say it's from Allah Azza wa Jal. Today, I remember when uh, the foreign minister Kerry was visiting the Middle East a couple of months ago, meeting with the king of Jordan. In the conclusion between them, they say it's a decision that has been made, a decision that has been made that the end of the revolution in Syria has to be a political, peaceful transition of government from the Bashar al-Assad to another puppet regime, to another regime. But the Muslims or Islam should not win the revolution. That was explicit. Explicit was mentioned by the king of Jordan. He said a decision has been made, a decision has been made that Islam and the Muslims, so-called Islamic fundamentalists, should not win the revolution, should not take over the power and the authority. That's a decision. Now Allah Azza wa Jal, the Lord of the universe, the Rabb of the worlds, Rabbul Alameen, He also has decision. He has decision. And then His decision says, the Nasr, who at the end of the day, who makes the final victory, is from me. I am the one who decides that. United States, Europe, Security Council say, we decide who is going to win. Allah Azza wa Jal says, I decide who is going to win. And I have to believe. I am in the middle. 
We are in the middle. We are in the battle of Badr. I will consider myself as one of the Sahaba or one of the people with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam at the time of Badr. I have to think this way. When we read the Quran, I have to think that this was the Quran coming in, Islam was rising. I imagine myself being one of them. That's how I raise my personality. That's how I want to be as a Muslim. I don't want to be a Muslim like the so-called moderate Muslims who believe in two things. I want to be a Muslim like Abu Bakr, like Umar, like Sa'd bin Mu'adh, like Sa'd bin Ubaidah, like Sa'd bin Abi Waqqas, like Ali bin Abi Talib, like Hamza. These are our examples. This is not, this is not a story. This is real, and I really want us to understand that. Because when we read this, we want to resemble them. In fact, the Allah goes beyond that. It's not the Sahaba that you want to resemble, it's the Prophet himself. It's Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And this is not something you say, oh brother, what is it that you are talking? This is too much. What do you mean too much? What type of example you want to resemble? Allah says, لَقَدْ كَانَتْ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ You have an uswa, good example for the Prophet ﷺ to resemble. You want to be like him. And the Prophet ﷺ says, أَصْحَابِكَ النُّجُومِ My companions are like the stars. Just follow each one of them and be like them. So I, when I read better, I want to think of myself, if I were there at the time, and then the Quraysh was coming with 1,000 men, and here we are only 300 men trying to fight one to three. What do I do? Whom am I going to call up for? The Prophet ﷺ is calling up for Allah. Whom am I going to call? Am I going to say, oh, I have a tribe in Quraysh in Mecca that I have some relatives. Let me, let me call them up. Maybe they can help me. Oh, there are the Jews around Medina, Bani Qaynuqa or Bani Nadir or Khaybar. They are close by. I have good relations with them. Once, one, one, once upon a time, I made a trade with them. They like me. I like them. Let me go and get help from them. Let me rush out of the scene and go and call the Jews around the Medina. Maybe they can help me. Or maybe I can send someone to Attaif, another Mushrikeen. What's going on? That's not the Sahaba what they did. None of the Sahaba did that, each and every one of them. Abu Bakr, Hamza, Sa'd bin Abi Waqqas, Sa'd bin Mu'adh, Talha bin Ubaidullah, they all stood up and they said to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, go with the support of Allah, we are not telling you like Bani Israel did. اذهب أنت وربك فقاتلا إنها هنا قاعدون بل نقول لك اذهب أنت وربك فقاتلا إنا معكم مقاتلون We will not tell you as Bani Israel told Musa Go with your Rabb and fight We will wait for you until you make final victory We are not fighting with you But we will tell you Go يا محمد with your Rabb with Allah عز وجل And we together with you will be fighting our enemy That's how the Sahaba behaved that's how I should behave today. So when we tell our brothers in Syria and in Egypt, we give them the advice, we send them. Now, I'm not there, let's say, to be with them, but at least I have my word. If they can hear it, I have my word. Read Surah Al-Anfal. Get there, get serious. Al-Nasr is from Allah Azza wa Jal. The victory against Bashar will not be decided by Obama, will not be decided by the Britain, by France, by Russia. 
cannot be decided the fate of Bashar and the fate of the war in Syria will not be decided by the Security Council, not by the United Nations, not by the United States, not by Europe, not by Russia, not by China, not by Iran, will be decided by Allah Azza wa Jal. So be with Allah. Call up upon Allah only and don't be in the middle. You raise your hands for Allah, one hand for Allah and the other hand for the arms from the others. Don't do that. Make your two hands up only for Allah. Yes, I have two hands. I can say, oh Allah Azza wa Jal and my hand from the back saying, please give me. Doesn't work like that. If you want the istijaba, the response from Allah Azza wa Jal and to be on your side, like in the battle of Badr, you have to be wholeheartedly, absolutely sincere, absolutely devout, only for Allah Azza wa Jal. Now, having said that, the Sahaba did what they did, and we know what they have done. And they deserved the support from Allah Azza wa Jal. They did. Allah gave them the angels and gave them the victory. We know that. And gave them the spoils of war. And gave them 70 men from the top of Quraysh were killed. And 70 were arrested as prisoners of war. Decisive victory. We know the story. But then what counts after that? And that's what I want to leave us with. Brothers, no matter what the situation is, no matter whether the war is won or lost, whether poverty is removed or not, whether you get the goodies that Allah Azza wa Jal promised or not, at the end of the day, what counts? Think about it. Think about it. The Muslimin have just fought a war in Badr. And they are at the height and the peak of their pride and victory and this type of feeling and emotion that we have just won a war. We have given up our life. They gave up their life. They stood up for what is haq. And they were willing to sacrifice everything. What could be more than that? What could be more than sacrificing everything you have? Your money, your blood, your wealth your lifestyle, your belongings, they gave it up all. And they went into a war, materialistically speaking, it's a losing. Materialist, because they did not know that the angels were fighting on their behalf. So at the end of the day, after they gave all of that, Allah Azza wa Jal comes with this description about who the real believer is. And he did not say the real believer who gave up his life and his money. He did not say the real believer who was martyr. Although the martyr as shaheed is the highest level of Islam. You cannot top that. But in this surah, in this surah, after the end of the war, at the end when every Muslim was giving up everything he has, and by the, by the, by the, by the testimony of the Quran itself, these Muslims gave up everything they have. And they are willing, they were willing, they went with full heart. They did not leave anything behind. They called upon Allah Azza wa Jal, they did not call upon anything else. They were absolutely sincere, absolutely devout. But then, Allah Azza wa Jal comes and says, who are the real believers? In the ayah says, أُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ حَقَّةِ These are the haqq believers. Who are they? He did not mention any word about jihad. 
did not mention any word about giving up their lives, did not mention any word about sacrifice, did not mention any word about giving up everything they have, although all of these things count. And we know they count. And the Quran says they count, but not in this place. Allah wants to teach us that after all, what really counts is your relationship with Allah. What counts is how much taqwa to Allah Azza wa Jal you have. What counts is how much from within you clear yourself pure, purify yourself to Allah Azza wa Jal. What counts is how much obedience you have to Allah and His Messenger. This is the ayah in Surah Al-Anfal. The next ayah after the first ayah where he says they ask you about the Anfal and the spoils of war. Then he says, let me tell you what is the story of the belief. What's the story of Iman? Which we all want at the end of the day. What's the story of Iman? The story of Iman is not only the fight. It's not the jihad. It's not the martyr. It's not the sacrifice. Although it all counts. Counts big time. إِنَّمَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ The real believers are the الَّذِينَ The ones إِذَا ذُكِرَ اللَّهُ وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ When Allah is mentioned, you take a breath or you hold your breath. وَجِلَتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ means your heart starts beating. You're alert. You take it deep inside. It's your heart that Whenever someone says, Allah is your Rabb, you better be careful. Allah is the one who provides victory. Oh, Allah, I, I, I forget everything else. Allah is the one who provides life and death. It's not the death is not war. War does not provide death. Allah provides death. When Allah is mentioned, when the word of Allah, the name of Allah is mentioned, I take it wholeheartedly. Wajilat qulubum. Wajil means it's from the world of scare. It's not really the scare. You don't get scared. You get alert. Wajilat qulubum means your heart is absolutely wide open to whatever Allah wants. The will of Allah is binding upon me. I would never, or you should never, Sahaba never did. Anytime something is said Allah wants, they would never say but. They would never say why. They would never say, oh, let's wait. If Allah is mentioned, I hold up everything else. No matter what I am doing, this is the rule of Allah Azza wa Jal, I submit. Wajilat qulubuhum. Number one. Innamal mu'minun. Alladheena idha dhukira Allahu. Wajilat qulubuhum. وَإِذَا تُلِيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُهُ زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا When the ayat of Allah are revealed, are told, it gives you more strength, more iman, more commitment to Allah Azza wa Jal. You don't receive the ayah when Allah says, إِنِ الْحُكْمُ إِلَّا لِلَّهِ Allah reveals, the hukum belongs to Allah. Then you say, but I want the civil state. What is going on? You can't do that. تُلِيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُنَا زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا when the ayat of Allah are revealed, if you forget it, I will remind you. Allah says, riba is haram. You quit all types of riba. What is the heck of the World Bank coming to do with you? World Bank, this bank, that bank, all of this riba. Stop it. Stop it. Allah says it's haram. Just haram. Quit it. Quit it. This is the believers. The believers. Here Allah Azza wa Jal is talking about you.
آياته زادتهم إيمانا ذا إيمان comes into their heart with these آيات any آيات comes to me it will strengthen my إيمان put me in the straight path one more time and I will never hesitate that's what إنما المؤمنون المؤمنون are the ones who وجلت قلوبهم their heart are hearts are wide open for Allah عز وجل never hesitate for Allah تليت عليهم آياته آيات are revealed are told are called in front of you you are reminded with the ayat of Allah عز وجل absolutely yes 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 complete obedience وإذا تليت عليهم آياته زادتهم إيمانا وعلى ربهم يتوكلون here comes the توكل you make reliance upon Allah this is the iman and then the Quran says أولئك هم المؤمنون حقا those are the حق believers الله أكبر سبحان الله where did all of the fight has gone we just fought better we just fought we just lost some of our Muslims we just lost some of our blood we just made a big sacrifice we just did all of that and we are coming back from the battlefield instead of telling us oh mashallah you fought you are the greatest you are the warriors you are the heroes you are all of this give all of these ordens put it on your chest all of these things to, in order to make to make it to make you feel great telling you look don't barg, don't brag about that let me tell you who the believers are that's what allah is saying innama al-mu'minuna alladhina idha dhukira allah wajilat qulubuhum it's deep in your heart deep in your brain deep in, deep in your mind how you respond to allah azza wa jal the ayat of allah azza wa jal are being called upon you you respond to them, you believe in them, you act upon them, you agree, you accept, you don't deny, you don't hesitate, you don't do nothing. وَعَلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ You make tawakkul upon Allah Azza wa Jal, أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ حَقَّ Those are the real believers. لَهُمْ دَرَجَاتٌ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ They have the darajat. High steps, high value with Allah Azza wa Jal. وَمَغْفِرَةٌ مَغْفِرَةٌ Forgiveness. And a rizq that is generous from Allah Azza wa Jal. It's not the spoils of war. It's not the caravan of Abu Sufyan. It's not the money of Quraysh. It's beyond that. And that's what we keep always saying. Brothers, what we are after, at the end of the day, even when we call for the Khilafah and the Islamic State and the justice of Islam, I'm not calling for something that I will benefit from. At the end of the day, my real benefit, if I compare... In fact, in one of the hadith, Allah, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam talks about the, about the ajr that Allah azza wa jal give to the people in the dunya. On the day of judgment, the Muslims, those who go to Jannah, they would say, Oh Allah, we wish that you did not reward us, did not give us any reward in the dunya. We wish that you kept all the rewards for the Jannah. You wish, I wish that Allah Azza wa Jal keeps all my rewards. Because he rewards me in dunya as well. He gives me rizq in dunya. I wish that all the rizq he gives me to be in the jannah. Because it's not compatible. They are not comparable. You cannot compare this with that. And that's what Allah says. That's the final. لَهُمْ دَرَجَاتٌ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ You have steps with Allah Azza wa Jal. You have all of these degrees with Allah. وَمَغْفِرَةٌ 
forgiveness for everything that you have done. وَرِزْقٌ كَرِيمٌ Abundance of risk. Nothing like the risk that we have in the dunya. This is my risk in the dunya. And the sahur we will have tonight, that's our risk in the dunya. What is our risk in the akhirah? May Allah Azza wa Jal make that risk abundant for all of us. Make Allah Azza wa Jal provide us from that risk kareem and from that maghfirah and that from darajat and make us among those who are real true believers. No matter what we call for, whether is it we call for the khilafah or the da'wah or the Islamic state or the rise of Islam or the systems of Islam, but at the end of the day, all of that doesn't count for my belief. At the end of the day, what really counts is what goes deep in my heart whenever the word of Allah Azza wa Jal is mentioned. How much hesitation I have. How much difficulty I have in responding to Allah Azza wa Jal. Or how much convenience I have when I respond to Allah Azza wa Jal. How much tawakkul I have upon Allah Azza wa Jal. That's what makes a real believer. May Allah Azza wa Jal enable us and make us among those true, real believers in Him. And I would like to stop right here and uh, take a few questions and comments and we will continue inshallah the program will uh, go on inshallah tonight for the Qiyam with the prayers and all the programs that the brother have uh, created for us. Jazakumullahu khair. Anyone has a question or comments please. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.